What's going on, everybody? It's time for another episode of your favorite podcast. I think I know basketball. It's because we do. I'm your boy, Keese. I'm your boy, Kyrie. What's up, everybody? We got another episode for you today. Real quick before we get started, a reminder, as always, to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I think I know underscore BB, and check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor FM app. Yeah, man, make sure you do all that, and it's been a little while, man. I hope everybody had a good holiday break, but it's time to get back into basketball. And with that being said, let's talk about some players who was visiting some old teams that they just departed. Well, one of them actually made the trip. Let's let's talk about Anthony Davis. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So Wednesday night, we got treated to a couple of games on the schedule with high-profile returns to previous destinations for a couple of star players. One of them was definitely more high-profile than the other. Yes. The return it, yeah. itself. Let's go ahead and let's start with the night game in this one. Okay. It was the Los Angeles Lakers visiting the New Orleans Pelicans. It was the return of Anthony Davis to New Orleans. AD. At, yep. After he left, it was the first time he came back after he left New Orleans to go to Los Angeles in free agency. And Where he's played his whole career. He's yep. played his whole career in New Orleans for the Pelicans. One of the, one of the elite players in the league. He blossomed into an elite star there, took him to a couple of playoff series, and really was the guy that they hoped would lead them to a championship one day. It was a little bit of a struggle at first. Um, he had to overcome some injury issues, um, mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. he really came into his own. And he definitely the, came into his own. He definitely came into his own. Um, he didn't really see a way forward to an NBA championship, and that's why he ended up leaving New Orleans. If you guys remember, and if, for those of you that don't, it got a little bit contentious. Um, I mean, know, the, and, the trade request came out of nowhere. Yeah, seemingly. I, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like it came out of nowhere. We, we kind of already knew that Anthony Davis needed to leave New Orleans if he wanted to have any type of future, right? And we kind of knew that. Yeah. But I didn't expect the trade request to come when it did. But then when you kind of look at the situation that was going on in L.A. and the trade request came when it did, you kind of knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> and and, and for, for those of you guys who need a little bit of a recap here, um, Rich Paul yes. was involved in this. Rich Paul is the agent and close friend of LeBron James. Yes. He got into Anthony Davis's ear Mm-hmm. about the possibility of joining LeBron James. LeBron James has made no secret about how much he has liked Anthony right. Davis over the years. Question. When the trade request came from Anthony Davis, did you have any doubt in your mind that he was going to any other team besides the Lakers? I, I, I felt like it had to be the Lakers. Now, now he, was, he, lo- clear, he clearly wanted, he wanted to go there. But there they was a little wanted. bit of talk about him coming to the Celtics. I yes. thought that that was going to happen, and then his dad came out and said he would never go there. I was yeah. kind of down. But once I seen the, the statements from his dad, I knew for a fact he was going straight to the Lakers. Yeah, and, and the, the talk about the Celtics was mainly based around the fact that Again, the Celtics had the best draft capital and mm-hmm. like assets to to trade to the Pelicans without blowing up their whole team. Without blowing up their whole team, whereas the Lakers, they, they kind of had a whole bunch of stuff going on that was like kind of a maybe. Like Brandon Ingram might be good, Lonzo Ball might be good, but you had some ready-made good players already on in Boston, in like Jason Tatum or like you know Jalen Brown. You had a bunch of things you could dangle without without torpedoing the whole lot. Operation. But again, this there was also the turmoil that ended up with Kyrie 
um, you know, whether or not he was going to stay, and that probably played a factor in it. But anyway, to get to the actual performance itself, so Anthony Davis returns to New Orleans, and he gets the treatment. Right, so they boo him every time he touches the ball. <laughs> they they booed him every time his name was mentioned or you know anything. I think it's going to be real interesting to see the response that Russell Westbrook gets when he goes back to Oklahoma City, considering how he left the team and comparing that to how Anthony Davis left his team and the other player we're talking about, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and it's always going to be awkward, right? And that that's one thing that that's why I think it's going to be interesting, though. I don't think yeah. the Russell Westbrook situation is going to be awkward. I see, think that like they because they see because they yeah. see what he did for the franchise and yeah maybe he drove you crazy but there that was never a guy you didn't question a, a an ounce of the effort and the drive he had to make that team as good as it could possibly be. There's no possible way yeah, you go watch Russell Westbrook play and but, think he wasn't giving everything to the but franchise. But that's that's kind of an issue with me. Did you ever question AD's drive? Until the moment when the trade request was made. Up until that point, I didn't question Very it. I true. felt like he was Ve- trying to make it happen. So Ve- I don't know Very if he was true. really the, the treatment it was he's all getting. About the, it was all about the trade request itself and the fact that he came out publicly and was like, I want out of here, and fans felt betrayed by it. Now, it, again— But that's what I'm saying. I— what they they know they wasn't necessarily in a position to to put anything around but him. But fans don't care about that. This they is true. they care this about they care about loyalty. They want to see a guy be like Damian Lillard mm-hmm. and ride it through all the way to the end, even if they never win a championship, right? Because mm-hmm. because the fans always believe that next year is going to be our year, mm-hmm. right? And the organization knows better, right? They know when they're tanking. They know when they're not going to be very good. They know when they have a championship roster. Anthony Davis didn't see the path forward. They tried to convince him that there was one. And he was just like, look, man, like, I just, I don't see it. And I want to win now. And, you know, and, and, and ultimately players need to be able, we need to allow players to be able to make that decision because especially with how much emphasis we put on championships, rings. It's all about rings, right? Nobody really cares, you know, about how, you know, you could be the greatest basketball player in every other aspect. All right, so back to the performance at hand with Anthony Davis. So the actual game, he played in, and he played really well. He struggled at first. I think it was getting to him a little bit, the jitters and stuff like that, but he ended up throwing down 41 points. The Mm -hmm. Lakers came back and won that game. He got the the game-winning still at the end of the game. Iced it with the free throws. He he gave everybody that reminder of of how great he was. And LeBron James, so he has a guy on his team that has been through this, especially in one really, really contentious case. He, He probably isn't getting that kind of reception now in Cleveland because of what he did in giving that city a championship. But the first time he came back to Cleveland oh, man. might have been the most venomous reception I can remember for an athlete returning to previous. They, they were calling him Benedict Arnold and it was you know, crazy. all kind of it stuff. Was crazy. It, 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 was was, crazy. it was wild. And so LeBron James helped Anthony Davis navigate that situation, but he wanted AD to win that game. He fed he fed him in the post. He, he gave him the ball all the time. He clearly wanted him to score and get those matchups. But after the game, he literally he said that. He was like, the only reason I was here doing this and and you know playing this game, I was playing it for him. So yeah, I think it's I, I think it's dope that LeBron James as a leader was able to recognize the situation at hand and also put Anthony Davis in the in the best situation to handle that and come out on top. So it doesn't really affect his morale 
or or anything mentally. You know what I'm saying? Let's transition to the game earlier in the day. And the story that is arguably bigger, especially to y'all that are in the Boston area, you know, and stuff like that. So you know what? Um, I was waiting for this game too, man. I almost bought tickets to this game. I'm happy I didn't, but I almost bought tickets to this game. So the game that we are referring to is the 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 projected return of Kyrie Irving to Boston as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. It yep. didn't end up happening because Kyrie Irving has missed basically the last two weeks, um, last week and a half, two weeks, with a right shoulder impingement. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, it, it's been building to this for a little mean? while. What does that mean? What does that mean? So I think it means a nerve impingement in the shoulder. So, the, okay. so he's got a nerve issue okay. um, that's causing him some pain. Um, okay. And so a lot of people were looking at this like, oh, yeah, nerve impingement. Oh, yeah, your shoulder's right. real hurt. But the, the, let's unpack that real quick because the only reason people are looking at it that way is because he actually hasn't played a game against a former team since he's left Cleveland in their home arena. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he played against Cleveland when he was with the Celtics in Boston, but he didn't play against Cleveland when he was with the Celtics in Cleveland. And so it's one of those weird situations. Where people are kind of wondering, like, you know, is like is he, like, ducking out on purpose? I mean, like, did he, per- did personally, he- personally, with Kyrie being the type of person he is with all of his energy, I think he's trying to protect himself from that energy. S- set the scene for me outside the garden. What was going on? So, throughout the day in Boston, <laughs> it was a long day. Yes. <laughs> there were posters being put up on telephone poles, on mailboxes, and trash cans everywhere with Kyrie Irving's face on it and the word coward. So, the city of Boston was calling Kyrie Irving out for not playing in this game and showing his face back in Boston. Straight up calling him a coward. Yes. Wow. And Kyrie Irving did not appreciate that and made his feelings known in an Instagram post later in the day. Which you you will read for us now. Let me go ahead and read this post for you. (laughs) It happens all the time, and tonight just shows how sports entertainment will always be ignorant and obtrusive. It's one big show that means very little in the real world, that most people live in because there are actually things that matter going on within it. Like figuring out a life that means more to you than a damn ball going in the hoop, or learning how to grow up being in a fishbowl of a society based on your popularity level as a person, or even dealing with becoming the leader of your family after someone's passing and not knowing how to deal with life after it happens. But this game of sports entertainment matters more than someone's mental health and well-being, right? or the real-life things that happen to people every day, but they still have to perform for the NBA and its fans, right? It's all about doing it for the fans and the organization that you love so much. Think again. It's a game, and it's promoted as a fandom experience for ticket buyers and viewers at home while defacing who people truly are as people. Then, spat out all over these media networks as valuable food for thought while they actually believe that their opinions hold weight to real cultural leaders that speak and act for change. One big gimmick with some smoke and mirrors. I'll always be the one that takes a stand and speaks on the truth every time, though. A purposeful and spiritually led life will always be better and more meaningful than any sports arena or any entertainment space. This game isn't meant to be controlled and shown as a drama. It's meant to show the love. 
Love for the art is the only damn thing that keeps the purest people in this giant sports entertainment circus. Don't fall for the game that's being played in front of you as entertainment. It'll never be as serious as dealing with life. Listen, I re- I'm listening to you read it and all that. I understand. Listen, his grandfather died. You know, he's going through real life things and all that stuff. But it still just screams to me like, listen, give me a break because I was going through real life stuff. And I was trying to figure it out. And because I was going through this stuff, you guys should give me a break. He act like he's the first player to go through real life stuff in the midst of an NBA season. And now, granted, I understand how people can view Boston and Boston fans in the organization as far as it pertains to something as simple as that. Real life things. IT played. His sister passed away. This man knocked out his teeth on the court and he didn't even get the contract extension that he wanted. And that's part of the reason why AD's dad made the comments that he made. I understand all of that. But at the end of the day, you're a basketball player. It is a sport. You're getting paid $30 million to do this. You came into a situation that you didn't necessarily ask for, but it was kind of exactly what you asked for, to be the leader of an organization that has a storied history, and you and, didn't deliver. Yeah, and, and you know what? There was really no way for Kyrie to win this. No, right? it's not. It's From not. the moment he didn't come play, and for whatever reasons he didn't do it right whether he didn't say anything at all people would say he's hiding if you know and when he did say something people call it soft and they you know go off on him for for saying what he said at the same time I cannot help but and this is something I've talked about quite a lot is I cannot discount what he says because I I get it and because I think that to an extent he is right. And whatever you think about, and, and you know what, it's true. And whatever you want to say about his failures in Boston, and he, he has admitted that he failed. He failed he as did a it. leader. He, he admitted it. He admitted he, it. He failed as a leader, which is obvious, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the effects were obvious, you mm-hmm. know, for, for, you know, some of the issues that he had um, in leading the team and managing, you know, some of his own issues. He's, he said that, and there's no taking that away. You can't, you can't throw that under the rug. You know what I mean? But he is right in that fans have a way of blowing stuff like this so far out of proportion that is wild. Like, I talked to Kyle Draper a couple of weeks ago. He's a Celtics reporter. Um, You know, he does the post games and the pregame shows for the Celtics for NBC Sports Boston. And he said something along the lines of, not necessarily this is what he believes, but he thinks that Kyrie Irving might be the most hated athlete in Boston right now in terms of recent memory. Now, to go to that point, I had a friend, shout out to my guy on Twitter, Mr. Marcus. He hit me up with some perspective, and it's, and it's a lot of good perspective. Now, one thing he said was, Kyrie didn't come here on his own free will. He was traded here. Was he wrong for the whole, I'll stay if you have me back? Maybe he was, but People lie every day, B. That's pretty much what he said. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, man. And the second point that he had was, what also really bothers me is that this is a predominantly white city and white fan base. For a dude who's done no wrong, broke no laws, took care of his kids, I have a hard time killing this brother. It's It's a game. Move on. 
Now, with that being said, and being a, a young black dude from Boston, which we kind of talked about in our last 20-second timeout with the Bill Russell situation, for me, it's a great point. It does feel overly aggressive. You know, I'm a young black man, and I'm just sitting there watching a the game like, man, the Kyrie sucks chances are a little bit too much, which is funny because— and the, the coward post to me, the coward post stuff was kind of stupid. To me, the coward post was fine. Anything that's happening outside the stuff is fine. But the dude's not even in the arena and you're chanting Kyrie sucks. It's like, let it go. You know what I'm saying? I, I think even so, right? You know, it's like you talk about it being outside the arena. But it's like, that is that is a kind of an aggressive action. I mean, uh, fast forward. They played the Brooklyn Nets in New York on Friday. And you hear chants of Kyrie's better. Yeah, and, when when uh, Kemba Walker goes to the free throw line, and and and, and it's, so it's it, they're creating this whole thing between the fans and maybe trying to make this some type of rivalry. I, I don't know, but when Marcus brought up that point of it being a predominantly white city, and we talked about the things that we talked about last week with Bill Russell, it made me think about a conversation I had with a reporter, a sports reporter, okay. how the Boston media doesn't know how to treat black athletes. And, and and you know what? Before, that, before you go on, real quick, I'll tell you this: that is not a that's not even a uniquely Boston problem. That is totally a thing in in lots of major yeah, cities. So, I'd say it's true in Chicago too. All right, so let's look at Boston. We got Tom Brady, we got Larry Bird, we got Bobby Orr. You know, any big black personality in the sports world here hasn't really been accepted with open arms outside of Big Poppy. Big Poppy is like, you know, ooh, when I was growing up, I was watching Mo Vaughn and stuff like that. I mean, Antoine Walker. I mean, these are people, but they, were, they weren't treated as like super duper duper stars. Don't think to yourself like, oh, well, everybody loved Bill Russell. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. So, so my thing is we haven't had any black superstars here in a long time. Like Antoine Walker, okay, Paul Pierce was kind of homegrown. He wasn't a super duper star. He was just like the best player on the team. So with that being said... It made me really sit back and look at the last time they had a, a dominant black superstar. And I thought about Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was an intimidating black dude. They wasn't even going to ask him stupid questions. Period. They just wasn't. And when they did ask him stupid questions, he would give him some type of aggressive analogy and stuff like that. And it was just like applauded like because of his intensity. And it made me really... Think, man, Boston doesn't know how to treat black superstars. Like, they really have a hard time doing this. So, I mean, that was something that, that really made me kind of... Like, like, rethink this, because, right? Rethink this whole situation. Because, because we've talked about this before, and we've alluded to this, and, and, you know, you've been very candid about your feelings about Kyrie's negative effect on this team, his lack of leadership, and, and all of that. We've we've said, and, and we agree on that part, mm -hmm. right? The... The other parts of this, right, like whether it's right to kill him and be as aggressive as people have been, I I always personally think it's uncalled for because, again, Marcus brought up a great point, and I'm all about this. You got guys in professional sports that have done horrible things Horrible to people. things. And, and people will be like, oh, yeah, well, that's not on the court. It doesn't matter in, in, in terms of... You think that this – people – fans often look at franchises as if they are reflections of them. They refer to it as we, you know, and, and like, they get all into it. Like, and, and you know, as a, as a sports fan, like, yeah, like, when there's a team that I want to win and they lose, hey, it kind of, like, messes up my day, you know, or, like, yeah. if they win, it puts yeah. a pep in my step, you know, is what it is, right? But fans put so much of themselves in teams, 
and they root sometimes for awful, awful humans. Kyrie Irving, to my knowledge, is not, an awful, is not an awful human. The worst thing that he did was come here two years ago and— Not ever, because he wanted to, and that's he, something he that was, he brought he was, up. He, he was, was traded, traded here. here. Yes. He comes here and gives you about a season and a half of basketball. Everybody expected him to win. Everybody expected him to come back and sign a contract extension. Everybody had these expectations, and, and, they, and they weren't met. That's the worst thing that he did. And y'all want to treat him like this? Like, to me, it's it's always overblown. Look at the failures for what they are, to me. And, and, and the failures on the court were on... Yeah, I'm not disputing I that. I mean... The it, rest, to me, is let it go. To reel this whole situation in and just kind of, you know, bring it full circle, it makes me think about LeBron James. Again, a, a great leader. And how he answered, you know, post-game questions after the Miami Heat lost the championship. And he was just like, you know, those people got to go back to their born lives. <laughs> I'm going to live my life doing whatever I want to do. And it come and it came off as surly. And it, and it definitely was a little bit passive-aggressive I mean, because LeBron has that in him. Regardless if it's passive-aggressive or not, it's the reality. The reality of the situation is he's talking about us. He's talking about the fans, the people who put life stock into this sports. And it's our life. And the reality is, for them, it's just a part of their lives. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah. A lot of people in Boston are waking up on their whole, damn, I got to live my regular life. <laughs> Kyrie's in New York living the life that he wants to live. And we just feel he wronged us so bad, but we just got to be negative. Yeah, and it's like, you got to remember, right? And, and I, I've been with friends at times that are like, man, the fans care more about the games than the players do. And it's like, never fool yourself into thinking that. That's their job. That's their livelihood. It's just your hobby, watching the games. This is a fact. Never forget that. So let's get into some happier basketball stuff. Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA. Round of applause. Uh, Yeah, we got to get some sound effects. But yeah, he's back in the NBA. He's played a few games with the Portland Trailblazers. Not only that, he's making history. How do you feel about Carmelo Anthony on the Portland Trailblazers? My thought when I first, because I watched the first game he came back. I thought it was fake. I thought it was like, I thought it was a Twitter troll, but yeah. I watched the first game he came back, and I thought to myself, he's not. I mean, he's not that different than what he was. I mean, he's not playing a whole lot of defense. He's still like kind of doing his ISO thing. I personally didn't think it was so much that he played badly, so much as he needed to get back in the swing of things because I watched some of the shots he was taking like yeah he took some bad mid-range shots you know the kind of stuff that he used to do but sometimes he's backing a guy down he got a good shot and he just missed it Mm -hmm. because he hasn't played real basketball in a while and I saw a lot of people getting on him like you know look at him like he's trash he's washed you know and and like you know why is he even out here we thought he was going to come back and like give the trailblazers like a major spark or whatever and it's like this dude like just needs to play some basketball for a little bit and lo and behold you let carmelo anthony you know get back in the swing of things a little bit and he's not playing too bad like like, what have you been seeing i mean what i've been seeing is i've seen a lot more decisiveness from him I've been watching ESPN, and I seen Stephen A. Smith say something like, I spoke with Carmelo Anthony, and I told him, don't dribble the ball. Either pass or shoot as soon as you got it. 
And watching the games, I feel like that's exactly what he's doing because that was pretty much the only knock against him and how he was used as the scapegoat in Houston last year. At the end of the day, what I'm seeing is Carmelo Anthony's getting the ball and he's either going to shoot it or he's going to pass it. He's not trying to hold up anything. And I, I think that that's been a great thing for the Portland Trailblazers in turn because... We've been talking about how they need more scoring outside of Dame and C.J. McCollum. And that's exactly what Carmelo Anthony could provide off the bench. But he's been starting. So it's, it's one of yeah. those. It's, it's an interesting and situation. And he dropped, he dropped 25 the other day. And you not know, only he did he drop 25, he just passed Vince Carter for 18th on the all-time scoring list. Also, real quick. How wild is it that Vince Carter is still playing? Yo, Vince Carter's still in the league. He about to pass Melo again. <laughs> he's like, listen, he's like, he's like, listen man, Vince Carter's coming out next game shooting 53-pointers. <laughs> he's like, I, I can't have it. But but shout-outs to LeBron James because he just scored 33,000 points, and that put him about 100 points behind Kobe Bryant for number three all time. That's crazy. But let's let's keep it mellow. Yeah, he just struggled a little bit with, with the Rockets, and I think that maybe people, again, had an expectation – of Carmelo Anthony, that he was going to be something that is not really his role anymore. Mm -hmm. You talk about a guy, you talk about role players a lot and mm -hmm. guys that need to learn their roles. I feel like right now he's kind of starting to settle into that role. He's not trying to be the superstar anymore. Nah. He knows he's not that. He's not. He's you know, not. But he is the kind of guy that if he gets a matchup on you, he can still hit a jumper in your face. And he, seems he can still like, back you down. It's like I said, it seems like he's being more decisive on, on, on making the decision like, hey, I can beat this guy. I'm going to go for it right now. We're not even going to play no games. you know. Or if I can't, I'm going to pass the ball. So yeah. that's something that's been definitely happening. So we were talking about Melo. We briefly touched on LeBron James. And I just want to talk about this tweet that I saw about LeBron and him becoming the fastest player to reach 33,000 points. Uh-huh. LeBron James is also the fastest player to reach every other 1,000-point milestone <laughs> in history. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, all the way to 33,000. He's been in the league since he was 18. And I saw another thing that was like, you know, looking at you know LeBron James and, and how well he's been playing and people talking about year 17. And it's like, yeah, well, like Michael Jordan and Carl Malone were winning MVPs and, and you know, they're age 34 seasons. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. It's not the same. LeBron James <laughs> LeBron James surpassed Michael Jordan's total minute total for the NBA like 6 years ago. Wow. Like he's played so much more basketball than and and people are like, "Oh, he played four he played we played 3 years in college." Mm -hmm. Jordan did. It's like Still doesn't matter. Doesn't still, matter. You you doesn't could matter. you could take Michael Jordan's entire basketball career from high school yo, 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 to, you know to, to the NBA and LeBron James still has it beat. You wanna know what's crazy? You don't see like people being like, oh, LeBron's career versus Jordan's career. And now you're starting to see during this two year span of Jordan's career, he did this. And it's like no one's ever done that. We're entering a point in the conversation of greatest of all time as far as it pertains to LeBron James and Michael Jordan, where it's getting that nitpicky. You can't even look at their careers overall because LeBron has just done so much more in his career. So now people are going into Jordan's career and finding literally 32-month spans where it's like he played all 82 games, won this, won this. No one's ever done that. And it's like, I mean... It's like, again, you, you can look at the hardware, and, you know, this is not the last time we're going to have this discussion. You can look at the hardware and dismiss LeBron right off the bat if you want to do that. You can, you know, look at LeBron James if 
you know, he does end up breaking the all-time scoring record and being like, look, man, just look at this. You know, again, top 10 in points, top 10 in assists is how he's going to end up. And you could look at it that way and, you know, whatever reasons. I still look at it as Michael Jordan was, well, aside from Wilt Chamberlain, the most dominant basketball player that's ever played. And, you know, his peak was better than LeBron's peak. As a full career, LeBron James's longevity and the consistent excellence, no one's done it. Michael Jordan didn't do it. And people talk about, oh, yeah, well, if he hadn't retired for you know that year and a half, yeah, well, he did. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking hardware, Jordan has more hardware than LeBron. LeBron's story is still being written. But let's keep it hardware real quick. I want to talk about a young player that's mm. in position to actually be the youngest MVP ever. The youngest MVP in NBA history is Derrick Rose. He was 22 years old in five months when he won MVP. But Luka, the superstar sensation from Dallas, is younger than Derrick Rose. And I just want to ask you, do you think it's realistic that Luka Doncic can become the youngest MVP in NBA history? Yes. You think it's real? Yeah. I mean, he still has like another year and some change it, it, to go. It's, it's funny, yeah. He's got like a year and you know probably two seasons to make it happen. Yeah, but yes, I mean, look at the triple double machine that this dude is at twenty oh years God. old. People talk about oh my pe- God. people. People were trying to nitpick his First game. Off, coming shout out, shout out to Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, you you got one. When you got one there. All right. Well, yeah. People, what? People tried to nitpick his game coming out, like, oh, yeah, he's a foreign player, and you never know what you're going to get with those. And As I say, I'm not going to listen to nobody that's giving opinions on college players or players before they actually enter the, the big game. People were saying that Lamar Jackson couldn't play quarterback. <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep it basketball. Let's keep it basketball. So anybody that's saying anything about Luka, I'm just going to just disregard it now. Yes, he can get better. Like, people are wondering, like, can he, he get better? He will get Is he better. already, like, developed? It's like, no. That's the funny thing is that he's so good. He's all, getting better. He's, so, he's getting better right now in right front now. of our eyes. Like, and, and, it, and it's, it's about decision-making and consistency. And we talked about this from the very beginning when yep. we were breaking down the Mavs and where they were going to finish up yep. in the Western Conference this year yep. and talking about Luka Doncic and whether or not he was trying to do too much at times and whether or not he kind of needed to let the game come to him and figure out his times to attack. And it's like, well, he's figuring it he's out. He's figuring it out. He's definitely having more fun. He's not overdoing the fun and trying to force the fun because of the uh, that's something I said. I said I feel like he was a young player and he's going to try to do too much. He's not he's not doing too much. So it just makes me think years of, old. it makes me think about the people that are around him in the Dallas Mavericks organization. Like it's it there has to be some type of dope interesting dynamic going on there like he's 20 he can he's not even old enough to drink you know what i'm saying like what does he do like it's just it's just interesting man it's just yeah. interesting like how are they keeping this guy I mean, outside, not they're not doing it. Obviously, he loves the game of basketball. He, but it's he, like they're definitely doing something behind the scenes to help keep him focused. Yeah, and I also want to ask you this. Uh-huh. Right now, where is Luca in terms of your MVP candidates? Who? What? what what's your What's your MVP list look like right now? I got Giannis at one. I got Braun at two. I got Carl Anthony Towns at three. Oh. Then I'm going with Luca at four. Oh, and then James Harden at five. 
Okay. What, what, what is so surprising okay. there? What is surprising there? Cat. I just, I just feel like I, just I feel did like, not see Cat. I feel like James Harden you is gotta doing. Expl- you got to explain Cat. Uh, this is, I'm getting to it. Okay. I feel like James Harden. I'm gonna go from the top, from the bottom to the top. I feel like James Harden is doing James Harden stuff, as always. And it, it but it doesn't look like a step up for me, right? Yeah. Now you look at Luca. I'm just seeing things I've never seen before from a 20 year old. It's just like what what's going on. LeBron James arguably wasn't. I, I would have to. I have to look at the stat comparison. But yeah. my first blush is that I don't think LeBron was playing that well at I, twenty either. So he was so, really good. But, but I don't know if well. he was like. I don't this. know if he was a triple double machine. But um. So at three, I got Carl Anthony Towns, and I just like what Cat's doing. I mean, he's not playing soft. He's playing like that seven foot dude that we thought he could be. I'm watching him shoot his three-pointers. I'm watching the way he's playing as an individual player, and I'm watching how he's helping his team be better. I'm going to credit Cat with everything that Andrew Wiggins is doing. That, uh, and that's why Cat's number three. LeBron is playing elite point guard at 34 years old. He's balling. He has Anthony Davis, another elite player, and he's still coming down doing what he needs to do. And pretty much going night in and night out with Luka for the triple-double conversation. LeBron's making it happen. He just got a triple-double against every team in the NBA. Yep, that's, a, that's another thing you know what that, I'm saying? that happened, so, yeah. So it's just like, that's that. But as far as number one, Giannis. He's running away with it. He's running away. I mean, it's uh, I, I have nothing to say about Giannis because I kind of want to jump into our overview of the NBA. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him then. Yeah. Um, I, I, real quick before we do that, I'm interested... Does Anthony Davis get a look in your top 10 MVP candidates? And does his performance detract from LeBron's MVP candidacy, potentially? Because Anthony Davis has been putting up points, too. He's in my top 10, but because of how easy he makes the game for Braun, it puts Braun ahead of him for me, if that makes sense. He, the only reason why LeBron is averaging 11 assists is because of Anthony Davis. <laughs> Like so, and and that may not be fair to Anthony Davis as far as why he's low on my list, but it just it just is what it is. It just is what it is. And and I think I think it's interesting because you you were kind of talking about you know Anthony Davis makes it easier for LeBron, and so I guess I thought it was curious. Absolutely makes it easier for LeBron. And so I thought it was curious that you still have LeBron ranked so high when he does have things making it so easier. Because he, the only thing that's making it easier for, for him, from my perspective, is assist. I mean, LeBron's still putting up monster points. He's still putting up monster rebounds. He's His still defense. putting up great assist numbers. He's just averaging a career high. Yeah, and, and his defense, too. I feel he, like LeBron and, is and playing again, defense. That, that has become, you know, that's become real. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. But I'll tell you what, man, like, as you mentioned, Giannis is just kind of, this is his award to lose for me right now. And again, even if he just keeps on shooting like 30% from three or like anywhere between like 30 and 33%, if that's real for him, then, I mean, come on. What are you supposed to do? He can still just like take two steps from the three-point line and dunk (laughs) on you. Nothing. Like from the half court. Yeah. You know, we're not even talking about a running start on a so fast now, break. So we're now, talking about from the half court. So he now he's sitting that. there from half court. He's deciding whether he want to pull up or dunk it. 
<laughs> and he can, <laughs> and he can hit threes like off the catch, and it's just like, oh God! Like, All what right. are you supposed to do? And nothing. But, but with that being said, let's look at the overview of the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, the NBA as a whole. The Milwaukee Bucks have won nine straight games. Nine straight games. That's pretty crazy. It sure helps when you got the best player probably in in the league right now, or you know, at least <laughs> one of the one of the two best players in the league. At his, man, is this, are we going to call this his peak? Is he at his peak right now? No, he's not at his peak. I don't think, I don't think. Because he can shoot the three better. Oh, God. Oh, I don't, yeah, no. I would say I don't think Giannis is at his peak because oh, he can no. definitely start shooting the three better. Oh, How old is Lord. he? Lord, that's, that is tough. Wait. First off, he's not. He's at, 24 yeah, years old. Yeah, I'm about to say, oh, my God. And he's not even twenty five. He's gonna be twenty. He's gonna be twenty five. Yo, next yo, week. Yo, yo, Giannis, Giannis at twenty eight, with the three point shot. Oh, oh my God. Oh my. Listen, listen. Let's not talk about that. But let's just look at the overview of the NBA right now. So in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> yo, listen. In the Eastern Conference, the top five teams are the Milwaukee Bucks, the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics. The Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers. Is anything there surprising to you? Okay, so in terms of the, the exact order, maybe I expected Philly to be higher. I think I expected Philly to be higher. Uh-huh. Um, but again, they've kind of had a little bit of a you know, revolving door in terms of having their starters injured and stuff like that. Um, but they're more, I expected them to be you know, a top five team in the East. Um, I am a little bit surprised with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, listen, listen, still, I'm absolutely surprised. I mean, they are not only am I, I did surprised. expect the Raptors to be a, a top team in the East. I didn't think they would fall off that hard. I did not think they'd be number two. Not only am I surprised with the Toronto Raptors, they've won five straight. Like they are putting together winning streaks and like consistently. And for them, and, and I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later. It is a it's just good team basketball. Okay, so the top five teams in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, L.A. Clippers, Houston Rockets, and Dallas Mavericks. Any surprises there for you? So, and again, I think that this is just a product of Paul George and Kawhi not having played together quite enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I figured they'd be a top team in the West, um, and they're only going to get better I don't know that I expected the Lakers to have only lost two games. Before. I don't think I expected the Lakers to I be one of the top. I think they would be this good. I don't think I expected the Lakers to be one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. Recently, they've started to fall off a little bit. I think like if you look at the defensive efficiency ratings, they're probably still up near the top. They're probably going to be top three or whatever. They've struggled a bit of late um, in, in kind of giving up some big halves, but they've then flip the switch to being like, oh, we're not playing great defense. Well, now we're going to be the number two scoring offense in the league. Wow. So we can just transition. And so they are a more complete team than I thought they were going to be. Mm -hmm. I still think the Clippers with Paul George are a deeper team and a better defensive team than the Lakers are. But, you know, you mentioned the Bucks have won nine straight. The Lakers, as you know, late as this past week, had a nine-game winning streak of their own. Yeah, they're right there. They're right there with the Bucks. I mean, the, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference has pretty much been shaken out the way that I've been looking at it. But the, the thing that's interesting to me 
is in both conferences, once you start looking at the playoff picture and you go from, you know, seat five, six, seven, eight, it's up in the air in both conferences. In both really conferences, is. any team can make the playoffs except for the Warriors and the Knicks. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, well, okay. I'm, I'm going to throw the Bulls in there, too, because uh, the wait, Bulls— Wait, wait, wait. You don't think the Bulls can win it? The Bulls lost to the Warriors the other night. They're I mean, pathetic. But, I mean, the Warriors, they're, got it. they got to get wins. they got to get wins. They're not just going to lose every the game. The Chicago Bulls are pathetic. I mean, they're sitting 12th in the Eastern Conference right now. I understand that that right there is your home team. I, I watched them. They won a few games when I was watching. I don't, they lose them when you watch. Listen, I don't know what's going on with you in basketball right they, now. They won, they, won a <laughs> game, they won a game because... Zach Levine got called out by the coach for, you know, he got, he got benched for some defensive lapses. Oh, my God. Zach Levine called out the coach basically. He's like, well, um, we must not be watching the same game. And then Zach Levine goes out and goes on a heater. I watched that game, and I could not believe that that happened. And he put up 49 points and made 13 threes. He joined Steph Curry and Klay Thompson as the only – Three players in NBA history to have 13 threes in a game. Listen. That's a once in a not only that, whatever performance. Not only that, him and the rest of the Chicago Bulls players would not celebrate with the coach. Oh, my God. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So you got, you got to try and find this tweet. Listen, or, 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 they would not celebrate this. with him. They're, they're out there celebrating on the court because, okay, let me set the scene for yeah, you set for the a scene, second. Set the scene. Set the scene. So the Bulls were losing in the last minute. Zach Levine chucked up two three-pointers to keep them close. So they had to keep on fouling and putting the Hornets at the free throw line mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But Zach Levine wouldn't miss. And, you know, the, the Bulls' other shooters wouldn't miss, so they just wouldn't go away. Thomas Sadaransky hits a three inside of 10 seconds left. Clock's running. Hornets have to inbound the ball. The Bulls steal the ball yep. off the inbounds instead of fouling. Zach Levine scoops it up off the floor and just... Turns and throws up one of those kinds of threes that you do just for fun. Nothing but Like that. in the gym. <laughs> Swish. And the Bulls all of a sudden are up by one. With 0. 0.6 with seconds 0. left. 0.6 seconds left in the game. And, and of course, you know, the, the Hornets can't get a shot off at the end. The, you know, inbounds pass there gets picked off. They went from losing... <laughs> They went from losing by five points to winning to winning within ten seconds and, and not and, celebrating with the coach. And the Bulls are losing their minds on the court and celebrating and jumping into each other's arms. Jim Boylan, the head coach, whom I think is a clown, an utter and complete clown, tries to go and celebrate with the players. They see him coming. They turn in the opposite direction so fast. I've never Yo, seen. It that. was crazy. Like never I mean, seen they that. they literally had, they saw him listen, coming. Listen, and they were like, no. They had they had joy on their face, saw the coach, and it turned to straight like hatred <laughs> for like three seconds. And then it go, they Kobe, see each other Kobe again. Kobe White was like walking across the court, heading towards the locker room. He saw him coming and just like his walk sped up. Like oh, he was I like, mean, I want no part of this. I, I feel like I seen players going in the other direction. It, it was it was pretty crazy. No, that, re- that really happened. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's why I don't believe in the Chicago Bulls because they hate their coach. And their coach is an idiot. With all that said, I still feel like the Chicago Bulls can make the playoffs. It's very, very early in the season, and you just don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, but but <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't. But as, as you've continually said, and it's true, 
is still the the last three playoff spots in both conferences are pretty wide open. Yep. So we'll see what happens. So so let's go ahead and talk about the three teams we were watching prior to the holiday, mm-hmm. how they did, and then who we're going to be picking up on in the next couple of weeks. But let's start with the guys that we had our eyes on. Marquise, who were you watching? All right, so I'll go first. The three teams that I was watching was the Suns, the Indiana Pacers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll start with the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a fun team to watch because of our guy, Ja. That guy is a, is a ball of fun to watch play basketball. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can't take nothing away from that man. He almost got hurt. No, he, I had, see, he had I a see bit that. of a scary fall. Yeah, but he's back. He came back that same game and, and finished balling. But with that being said, I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to make any type of noise. If they do make the playoffs, I don't expect them to go deep into the playoffs. I do believe that they're gaining a bunch of respect from other teams in the league, and I think that their young core is gaining a whole bunch of experience. But with that said, they have lost their last five, and I don't expect them to make the playoffs. Now, my second team that I was watching was the Indiana Pacers. Mm -hmm. They've been going on a little winning streak. Mm -hmm. Not only that, they're starting to get healthy. Victor Oladipo's been practicing with the team, full scrimmage, you know, contact and all that stuff. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with the Indiana Pacers moving forward. I feel like they was having a hard time winning the games against teams that they were supposed to beat, and they was playing down to certain talent levels of other teams. Yeah. But I feel like they've kind of figured that out. And with Malcolm Brogdon coming back from back spasms and Miles Turner coming back from that ankle injury, things are good. So, so to your point, right, so um, three of their last few wins, the Nets, the Magic, and the Grizzlies, those are all teams that you should beat. Yeah, exactly. And then they threw in a win against the Utah Jazz. Yep, yep, Who are, yep. yeah, you know, they're, they're a you know, maybe a team that, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't beat, but they're in the Western Conference playoff picture. That matters. Yeah, I mean, they're, like I said, beating the teams that they should beat and making it a competition for the games that they that people probably don't expect them to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third team that I was watching, and honestly, man, I'm having a hard time not watching this team for the rest of the season. The Phoenix Suns. I feel like the Phoenix Suns needs to do exactly what the Indiana Pacers have been doing. The Phoenix Suns are losing games to teams that they should beat, and then when they play against teams that are of high caliber and high talent, they play up to that talent, but they don't necessarily win those games, but they're still losing the games against teams that they should beat. Once they figure that out, I think things are going to be good. I really, really love Kelly Oubre Jr.'s game. I mean, and you got Aiton coming back from suspension. Hopefully he's able to just pick up where he left off. I think it's going to be real good for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I've liked Kelly Oubre for a while, too. You know, he's, he's like your, your classic. He's, he's a good athlete. You know, he's like your 3 and D kind of player. You know, mm-hmm. So he plays defense, and he can hit you some threes, especially some corner threes. Mm-hmm. His skill set, because of the Rubio thing, mm-hmm. is better utilized here yep. because it's not like in Kelly Oubre's like, previous stop in Washington, it's not like they didn't have a point guard who could pass, right? You know, John Wall can pass. Mm -hmm. But I think that Ricky Rubio is a better pure passer. I mean, Ricky Rubio is a pass-first type player. And And that's the type of point guard you need on this Phoenix Suns team. So, yeah. so let's talk about your three teams that you was watching prior to the holiday break. For sure, for sure. So, so the first team I had on my list was the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. And again, we mentioned them before. I continue to just be impressed by the fact that they continue to win 
and keep playing good basketball. I think Nick Nurse, I feel like a lot of people were just like, who is this guy? Yeah. When he when he was hired to coach the Raptors last yeah. year. He's just yeah. a good basketball coach. And they he can't say that no more. He's a he's a he's a championship winning coach. He's a championship <laughs> winning coach. And and he continues to get the most out of a team that a lot of people, including myself, weren't really sure about coming into this year. And it's not just about Pascal Siakam. Yeah, he's averaging 26 points a game still. So that whole regression thing that we were talking about is like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Pascal Siakam, when's he going to come back to earth? Hasn't quite happened yet. He just threw down 31 points the other night. <laughs> you know, Pascal Siakam is worth every single penny of that four-year, $130 million contract extension they gave him. I was really skeptical on if he was a max player at all. And He's still proving it. Apparently he is. Is is Fred Van Fleet going to get the max deal next? (laughs) I don't know about that. But I'll tell you what, man. Like, it's not just Pascal Siakam. As I said before, when he's having an off night, it's Fred Van Vliet stepping up. Mm. When it's, you know, those guys are like having a decent night, but they need a little bit of help. It's Norman Powell or mm-hmm. OG Ananobi dropped 24 points at, you know, in one game last week. Does Kyle Lowry ever step up? <laughs> it's funny because Kyle Lowry is averaging 21 points a game, almost 22 points a game. And I did, you know, you, you wouldn't even think of him. But yeah, he's still averaging, you know, a pretty decent clip. So he's still up there. All right. So what's the second team that you was watching? So then it was the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, you know, we were talking about Carl Anthony Towns and his march, you know, in power through the Western Conference and how he is arguably, you know, a top candidate for MVP. I'm telling you, he's the reason why Andrew Wiggins is playing the way he's playing. Yeah, and, and Andrew Wiggins, um, he's been out of the lineup a little bit because um, he had a family issue come up. You know, his grandmother died a couple of weeks ago, so he missed some time. Um, and then he was sick. And then, and then his return to the lineup was delayed a little bit because he was sick. But he comes back, and again, you know, he's putting up you know, 24 points. It's not always efficient, right? Like, he's still working on that three-point shot. And really, the T-Wolves as a team need a lot of help in terms of their three-point game. They are one of the worst teams in the league mm. in terms of three-point shooting percentage. They are, you know, somewhere, they're in the low 30s, like 31%. Carl Anthony Towns is shooting it well. I was about to say, he's like their best three-point shooter. Yeah, and that's wild because he's, you know... 6'11", 7-footer, you know, whatever he is. You know, and he's out there shooting, you know, 42% or whatever it is from three. But the rest of the team, like, collectively, they're shooting, you know, about 31%. Mm. And when they lose, it's because they're shooting about 31% from three. It's, it's going to be hard for them to compete in the Western Conference if they're not able to make their shots. Because, you know, the two-point game, like, yeah, in the end, the ball's got to go in the hoop, and you'll take twos, threes, or whatever. But yeah. the game is trending to a place where you need to be able to shoot some threes. And the Wolves got to be able to shoot threes. So your third team, you know what I'm saying, you started watching them. They started losing. I text you, man, I don't want you watching this team for the rest of the season. This is crazy. But, you know, people lose every day, B. <laughs> Boston Celtics, <laughs> in case you were wondering, you know. So, so the Boston Celtics, they had a tough loss when I was watching them. So they lose the Sacramento Kings with Marcus Smart's floater just Bounces on every part of the rim and rolls off. It's, oh, it, 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 it's, it's tough. You know, they beat the Suns next, and then they lost to the Clippers in overtime. You know, good game. But then Marcus Smart gets his revenge when the Sacramento Kings come back to Boston, and his shot in the last minute comes down this time. You know, and, and so it, it, that's just how basketball works, man. Sometimes it works in, in, in mysterious ways. The Celtics are still in a really good spot, man. You know, they're third in the Eastern Conference, Jason Tatum 
clearly to me looks to be taking that step. Oh, he's as, taking. He's taking. He's, it. he's the guy, you know. And Jalen uh, Brown as well. He's that guy. Jalen Brown has proven himself worth that money in Gordon Hayward's absence. And then I was just reading that Gordon Hayward's rehab from his hand injuries going better than anticipated. He's a little bit ahead of schedule. So, I mean, it's still a little bit early to say when he'll be coming back exactly. But I think it's going to really help when they get him back because. When Gordon Hayward isn't there to spread the floor uh-huh. and shoot threes, those shots have to go to somebody. You mm-hmm. know that isn't Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, so so obviously, right? You know, they might get a couple more shots, but then those shots are going to somebody like a Marcus Smart, who God bless him for everything he does oh my for the God. Boston Celtics. But the man just he can't shoot threes. Listen, I he sent can't. out a tweet the other day. It's just like, listen, I, I love Marcus Smart, and I think that he is one of the all-time great Celtics. His three-point percentage is not though, <laughs> and, no, and that's that. He's he's not a three-point shooter. Never has been. And I feel like when you get him more opportunities to shoot in rhythm and you know when it's it's not he you're not you're not counting on Marcus Smart to be a volume three-point shooter I mean like he's gone like two for ten well, I mean when you're not counting on Marcus Smart yeah. to score at all yeah. you're you're in a, you're putting him in the best position just be like yo man play defense <laughs> run the break you know do your thing every once in a while back down a smaller guard and, and out physical people, but you know you don't want to count on him to be a volume scorer because it's not going to end well for you. All right, so that right there is the three teams that me and you was each watching prior to the holiday break. Let's switch gears now to the three teams that we're going to be watching upcoming over the next week. I'll go first. The first team I want to start with is the New York Knicks. Yo, it, it is a, it, listen, there's only two reasons why I'm going with the New York Knicks. Yo, bad team alert. There's only two reasons why I'm going with the New York Knicks. I'm going to tell you them both right now. One, I want to see R.J. Barrett's development. I'm not just going to let the man just get drafted to New York and then just become a lost cause because no one's putting any attention on the New York Knicks as far as media goes. R.J. Barrett is one of the top rookies in the NBA this year, and he really deserves is. to be watched. Um, that's that. My second reason... I just want to know if the New York Knicks are actually the worst team in the NBA. We've been talking a lot of trash about the Warriors and them being bad. They're going they're they're dueling for it. So I'm like, let me just watch the Knicks to see if they're really the worst. Like the Warriors, we we know why they're bad. Like we know why they're bad. But they, the Knicks were this bad from the beginning. So the Knicks were this bad from the beginning. So I'm just like, let me see if it's actually like we know why the Warriors are bad. I need to understand why the Knicks are this bad. Julius Randle, I assume, will be having a monstrous year this year, at least averaging 22 points a game or something like that. The guy's averaging like less than 17. And he's averaging about the same stuff as R.J. Barrett. And this is why I'm like, I got to watch this New York Knicks team so I can just see, is this where talent goes to die? <laughs> you know what? That's that's Somebody like Dennis Smith Jr., I would expect more from I mean, he's been going through a little bit of things off the court. Yeah. But it's just... I don't get it with the New York Knicks. So that's basically, why. you got a bunch of young, talented guys. But like Julius Randle, he was never a star, star. I mean, but he's he wasn't a bust. He was he was he wasn't a bust. But you know, if you're if you have him on a team and expect him to put up star numbers, he's not that. He, nah, he, I get you know, it. He, he could be a solid player, and that's cool. I think he can he can help a team win. That part I think is for sure. But in terms of like, you know. I think we're just seeing the fact that, you know, he's 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 all right. This he's is all right. It's true. The second team I'm going to be watching over the next week that's coming up, the San Antonio Spurs. And I just want to know, is it over for the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich? I mean, that whole era is 
gone. I mean, they literally retired Tony Parker's jersey. Ginobili's not in the league. Tim Duncan's on the coaching staff. Greg Popovich was coaching Team USA, and they was losing. Is Greg Popovich coaching style clashing with the younger generation? I mean, we've seen what happened with Kawhi Leonard and load management in San Antonio. <laughs> We're not even talking about load management with the Clippers. But So I'm watching the San Antonio Spurs because I want to see what's going on with the coaching staff. Yeah, and, and I think that in regards to Kawhi, I think the biggest issue wasn't so much the load management. It was his distrust of that staff and the way that they handled his injury. He didn't mm. trust him. So, and that could be showing up right now. I mean, I don't know if that says anything about what's going on with the Spurs now, but I'm telling you, it just seems that there is some type of disconnect between the players and the staff. I mean, they're talking about they're, they're, trading DeMar DeRozan back to Toronto. This is mainly the problem of having, having LaMarcus Aldridge be your best player. LaMarcus Aldridge is good. He's been good for a really long time. But he's just good. He's not. He is not a superstar. Yo, he's he's just not. I'm watching their point guard Murray to see his development as well because I think that if he didn't tear his ACL last year, he would be borderline breaking that mold of maybe being a star on that team. I don't want to say superstar, but definitely being one of the top contributors. Yeah, and and Dewante Murray's been waiting in the wings for a while, you know, and especially like they wanted to give him some burn even when Tony Parker was around and you got mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. guys who can still play right like I've you know Petty Mills has always been a good scrappy player but again he's like another one of those dudes where he's a starter but he's a role player exactly you know and and you got Bryn Forbes who I also like but again mm-hmm. he's a role player that's one of the things Pop was able to do before he was able to turn those role players into stars, and I just don't see that same transition yeah, yeah. happening with this team. Yeah, and it's like he's able to turn those role players into stars around other stars, and and that and that in the end is the blessing when you have when you are blessed enough to have a star, Tim Duncan, mm. Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker as your nucleus for all those years. But let's not even and let's then not you even, bring in Kawhi. Let's not ignore the fact that that nucleus came after having the Admiral. Yeah. David Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He was a star. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. And you're blessed with having all these great players for so long. And you win these championships and they know the system. They know they know the game like the back of their hand. And then you get Kawhi and you win a championship with him, you know, playing the way that, that he played as a finals MVP in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay if Tim Duncan goes because you're you're chilling here with Kawhi leading the team and Manu and Tony Parker still being serviceable to good. Yeah. And then all Not of a sudden, being the superstars and being the role players at that point. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, you add LaMarcus Aldridge to the mix, and he plays really well as a secondary star. But then you don't have a superstar anymore. Nah, they don't have a superstar. You don't have so, one. So that's why I'm watching the San Antonio Spurs, because I really want to see what's going on with them. And my third team that I'm going to be watching... This is one that I was a little interested in. I wasn't quite expecting this name. I'm, I'm very interested in the Washington Wizards. The reason why is because with John Wall being injured and pretty much out for the whole season, I think people just kind of wrote the Wizards off. You know, they lost John Wall, Otto Porter's gone. It's not the same team as last year. And last year they had pretty much had a core that they had developed, you know what I'm saying? And, and now yeah, they don't yeah. necessarily have it. Like I said, they traded Kelly Oubre Jr. to the Phoenix Suns. John Wall's out for the whole season. So I want to watch the Washington Wizards because 
of none other than Bradley Bill. This man is averaging 28 points per game right now, and he's a pure shooter. They always, have a, always has been. Always it, been it, his stroke is nice. His stroke is nice. Then they have a center by the name of Thomas Bryant. And he's really developing into a solid big man. The guy's averaging about nine rebounds a game, one block. I would like to see him get the blocks up. But he's shooting 50% from the field. And that's what you want from your big man, somebody that's averaging about double figures and rebounds and shooting about 50% from the field. And this is not an X factor. This is something I don't think people are paying attention to, which was put on my radar watching them play against the Celtics. IT, Isaiah Thomas. It's really, really good to see IT back in the league and playing well and healthy and doing what he can do. He seems to be getting back to what he was doing in Boston. Only difference is they're not going to give him the keys to the car like they did in Boston. Right, right. But, you know, but it's good to see him contributing at a high level. Like, he's always done. Yeah, because the thing is, like, he could always score. He could always give you a spark. He's a, he's a tough guy. He's a competitor. He's always been able to give you that. And being able to do it in, again, like, not having to be the star. Now, the thing is, like, when he was with the Celtics and he was the star, he had a good team around him. Yeah. But, you know, you have a guy like Bradley Beal who is going to take up, you know, the major scoring mantle here and be averaging almost 30 points a game because yeah, he yeah. He's, he could just be like that, mm-hmm. you know. He's but, like that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when Isaiah Thomas doesn't have to do that. No. He can come off the bench or he, mm-hmm. can, or he can be a starter in a secondary role. You see so much in the league this year with players excelling because they don't have pressure. And I, I wonder if that's going to continue for the rest of the year and into next season. But enough about my three teams. Let's talk about your three teams for this upcoming week. So so my first team up is going to be the Miami Heat, mm. who are currently the fourth team in the Eastern Conference. Mm. They're interesting. And, and I mean, yeah, like the big name that you draw to there is Jimmy Butler. Buckets. Jimmy, Jimmy B. Buckets. <laughs> or rather, yeah, yeah, Jimmy Buckets. But that is not... The only thing that's going on over there. You what look at some of the on? stat lines here. Mm-hmm. They have seven players that are averaging in double figures here. Ooh. They have a lot of balanced scoring on this team. Jimmy Butler's only averaging like 18 points a game. And then you got Kendrick Nunn, who we talked about a little bit ago, and you know, the the lefty assassin, undrafted free agent over mm-hmm. here doing his thing, averaging 15 points a game. Mm-hmm. But then you got Tyler Hero up there. Mm-hmm. You got to do like Bam Adebayo, the center up there. And, and Bam, but Bam is starting to to show the promise that he had when he was coming out of college. Yeah, and then I'm just, liking it. Yeah, and then Justice Winslow. They got Duncan Robinson is a dude. He had nine three pointers a couple of weeks ago. No one had ever even heard of this dude, and he's out here hitting nine threes in a game. He's averaging ten points a game. So when you look at a team like the Heat, right, you're seeing balance right you have a you have a guy who in a pinch can go out and get you 30 or 40 points in jimmy butler like yeah. he he is that kind of player still yeah. and he's a very good two-way player still right and he can play heavy minutes and you know guard your guard your opponent's best player and take on that burden while giving you 20 points a night and yeah. stuff like that i'm looking forward to posters from Derek jones jr for the rest of the season oh my god dude his <laughs> his 
His bunnies are stupid. Well, what's your second team that you're going to be watching? So I got the Sacramento Kings. Now, Ooh. when we talked about Ooh. in the beginning of the year. This right is a sneaky one. This is a sneaky yeah, choice. Yeah, exactly. I was talking about who I wanted to be a contender for that last Western Conference playoff spot. And I went with the Kings, particularly when healthy, because when Marvin Bagley gets back in the swing of things, yeah. you know, he's back in the lineup now. I think he's, he's just a really good ascending young player. Yeah. And again, I've always liked De'Aaron Fox. They started off the season 0-5, but they are now 5-10, and mm. which means they've been getting it going a little bit. You know, they've, they've kind of been a little bit uneven of late, but they've crept their way very quietly mm-hmm. into that ninth spot in the Western Conference. So they're knocking on the Phoenix Suns' door a little bit. So they're kind of around where I thought that they would be. And, and really, I think the only thing that held them back was the fact that Marvin Bagley didn't play. A couple of weeks ago, we were saying that the Kings are one of the worst teams in the league. And you're telling me right now that they are literally fighting their way to the middle exactly. of the pack they're, in the Western Conference. They are right back in the mix. And so I'm going to be really interested to see if they continue. Like, like Buddy healed again, right? So I got uh, him on my fantasy team. And so against the Celtics in that game where they beat the Celtics by one and that shot that Marcus Smart couldn't get to fall. Buddy Heald was on fire. Uh, Buddy Heald was just hitting all the tough shots. Like he was doing the kind of stuff that, you know, he can do and he's been doing since he was in college. I would say he definitely you know, looked like the Buddy Heald in college. When his shot is wet, he's got one of the best strokes in the league. It's okay. just, you know, he can be like that. And so... Again, give him some support and see where this team goes because they're, they're another team. They have a good, young you think, core. You think they can make the playoffs? I think they can make the playoffs. I think that the Suns are probably going to end up being better yeah. because, yeah. again, we're, we've been missing DeAndre Ayton this whole time. And seeing what they've been without him, I think they're only going to get better with him. So okay. it's going to be kind of tough for the Kings to make the playoffs, but... This is a young core that I think in the next couple of years, as they grow together, they're gonna they're gonna start making the playoffs. If the, the organization keeps them together, yeah, they, I think they're they're going to be good. And they're gonna start making the playoffs. Right, your third team. My third team is gonna be the New Orleans Pelicans. What? Yeah, I know, right? So again, it, it's kind of this waiting game with them until Zion Williamson comes back. Well, do we have an update on Zion? He's probably still a couple of weeks from getting back into the lineup. I think the injury for him was about six to eight weeks uh, before he was able. Before Man's he's going to come back fifty pounds lighter. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I mean, you you would you know. I think some people are kind of hoping that, but I'll tell you what, I don't think his bounce will be gone because he oh, can no, just, the bounce, he the can bounce just do is that. There. The bounce is there. But again, Brandon Ingram is just so interesting. You know, I watched that game the other night where you know they they definitely pushed the Lakers through the end of that game, and I'll tell you what, that three point stroke with Brandon Ingram. Is not a joke. Nah, it's it's definitely it's getting, real. It's definitely more consistent. He's shooting it with more confidence, and like we've been saying, pretty much this whole season, he's over forty percent. You put him in a situation where you remove the pressure, and you kind of allow these young players to spread their wings, and look at it, exactly what's happening in New Orleans. I mean, they get they pretty much got the entire young core from the Lakers for the trade for AD, mm-hmm. and that entire young core is starting to mesh together well when you take away the LeBron effect. Yeah. And so I think um, another couple of guys that I find really interesting, and he's probably going to get bumped out of the starting lineup when Zion Williamson returns. Jackson Hayes mm. is a is a youngin with some serious, serious energy mm-hmm. and a lot of bounce. I mean, he's out there getting all kind of hustle points on people. He's tough. He's physical. 
Uh, he's getting his numbers up. He's, he's getting an opportunity to play some starters minutes right now. Um, and I think he's making the most of it. And again, I think that you know, we're going to see him step into a bench role, but I think he's going to really excel in that once Zion Williamson comes back. And then another guy that we should never really forget about, and, and I feel like I got to say this every time the Pelicans come up, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday, so good, man. I feel like it's unfair to <sighs> it me. It is unfair, it, man. It's unfair to me how little he gets appreciated because he's just so solid, he's so strong, so tough. He can beat you in so many ways, both in terms of being a consistent scoring threat inside and outside and being arguably the best defensive player on that team, man. I mean, that's one of the one of the gifts and curses of being a consistent player that just delivers is because you, you kind of will get overlooked, you know what I'm saying, until you're missing. And then when you're missing, it's like, well, where, are you, where have you been? Yeah. Why, why aren't you there? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then all, all of a sudden, everybody knows that you haven't been around. So, I mean, Brandon Ingram is the star, right? Every, the one everybody's talking about. Right he's now. averaging, Yeah, he's, he's averaging about 26 points a game. But, man, Drew Holiday in that starting lineup, J.J. Redick, who can still shoot the hell out of the basketball, you get Brandon Ingram, get Zion Williamson back in that lineup, and then add him with Alonzo Ball or or whatever else you want to do there. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like that's going to be a nice team. Again, this is not a playoff team because I think they're just too far behind to catch up. But... Man, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun team to watch. Listen, I, if the Kings can catch up, the Pelicans can catch up. That's not unfair. I mean, they're not out. They're not like completely out of the playoff okay, race. Okay. You know, they they're you know f- what four or five games back or something like that. And and again, right, this is still pretty early on. So they've got an opportunity to make some headway. As always with the West, it's so crowded and there's so many good teams and a lot of and sometimes you get good teams that don't make the cut. And I feel like that's how it'll be for the Pelicans. But um, they're going to be fun to watch regardless. Okay. So that's your three teams that you're going to be watching. The Heat, the Kings, and the Pelicans. I'm going to be watching the Wizards, Spurs, and the Knicks for this next upcoming week. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of I Think I Know Basketball. I'm your boy, Keese. I'm your boy, Kyrie. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. We appreciate it. And while you're here, let me remind you we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor FM app. And don't forget to like, share, comment on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at I think I know underscore BB. That's right. Join the conversation. Please let us know what you think. And we'll be back next week. 